Well, good morning. As you walked in this morning, you probably saw these things sitting on your chairs, and that's because we will be having communion this morning. But before we do so, I want to answer the question, why do we take communion on a Sunday morning? Why do we eat these little wafers and drink this grape juice? And so I'd like to answer that question from Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14 and verse 22. And I believe it's a two-part answer that we can find in this passage. And first of all, we do communion together because it points back to what Jesus accomplished on the cross. In this passage, Jesus is sitting around the table with his disciples, and this is his last supper with them before he goes to the cross. And then Jesus, he takes a loaf of bread, and he breaks it after giving thanks and passes it to his disciples. And he says, take it, this is my body. And then he took a cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they drank from it. And he said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Jesus used that loaf of bread and that cup of wine as symbols of what he was about to accomplish on the cross. That bread representing his body that was broken and beaten as he took upon himself the weight of our sin and bore the punishment for that sin that we deserve. When he spilled out his blood so that we could experience God's promise of being able to have forgiveness in a right relationship with God. And I think that Jesus chose these common food items in order to be symbols of his work on the cross. So that anytime someone saw a loaf of bread or a glass of wine, they would remember what Jesus did for them. And so as we take communion this morning, let us look back at what Jesus accomplished on the cross. But not only that, taking communion together, we can look forward to the hope that we have in Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And that day that Jesus is talking about in the kingdom of God is the day that we will be seated around that table with Jesus. When this life of pain, suffering, and hardship has come to an end, when we are in the presence of our Savior and experiencing the fullness of God's glory. And when I think about that day, I think about truly being able to love God without any trace of sin in my heart. And so as we take communion this morning, let us look back on what Jesus accomplished on the cross and look forward to the hope that we have in him. So if you'd like to take the communion cup and peel off the very top layer to get to that wafer. And Jesus said, this is my body. Take it. Let's eat it together. And you can open up the juice. 
the juice to represent the blood of Jesus that was spilled out for the new covenant. Let's take it together. Father, I thank you for the work that Jesus did on the cross. We know that there is no forgiveness for sin without the shedding of blood. We know that our forgiveness did not come without a cost. And so I thank you that Jesus paid that cost, that he lived the life that we could never live, and that he, he allowed his body to be beaten and broken, and he spilled out his blood for us because of the love that you have for the world. And Father, I ask that we would always preach the gospel to ourselves, that we would remind ourselves of that each and every day, and that we would live differently because of it. And I thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus, the day that we can look forward to of being with him in glory. And let us cling to that hope. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, church. It is great to be back here with you this morning. Be able to come and worship our awesome God and celebrate lives being changed by your son, Jesus Christ. If you are new with us, welcome. Welcome to Bridgewater. We love the fact that you are here. We hope that when you walked in today, you're made to feel welcome. You're made to feel wanted and that you'd be willing to come back and hang with us again on another Sunday as we pursue this life in Jesus and what it looks like to live for him and let him live through us. As we get going this morning, gang, open your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, we'll be starting at verse 1. Genesis 12, verse 1. If you grab the Bible on the way in, you will find on page 8. Genesis is the very first book of the Bible. You can just start in and turn a couple pages, and you'll hit Genesis 12 or on page 8 on the Bibles from the back table. But before we go get going into this morning's conversation, I'm going to come back to this, this whole idea of ride your manly ride. Ride your manly ride. What does it mean to ride your manly ride? What are we asking you guys to do? And so we want to walk through this because we like to have fun. I mean, following Jesus is, is not about just kind of rope behavior. Following Jesus is filled with joy and, and let him just work through us and gives us life to the full. And so we like to have fun. I love to have fun. I always say, if I'm not having fun, I don't want to do it. So here's one of those things where there's an opportunity we can have fun. So what does it mean to ride our manly rides? Because we want you to do just that. So all the guys in the room, you have this idea what a manly ride is. You're like, oh, 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 oh. I got my manly ride, right? So you all have difference of opinions. You know, ladies in the room, they're like, okay, we, you think you know what a manly ride is, but let me just tell you what a manly ride looks like. So you have your perceptions of what they look for. So what I want to do, I want to give you some examples so you can go home and plan to come next week in the ride, I mean, excuse me, two weeks and ride your manly ride at Father's Day. Now they're asking you to, to park out here along the sidewalk next to the post office so we can kind of judge your manly ride and see if we need to take your man card away. Um, you know, we're going to have some fun with that, but just ride. I say park wherever, right? Let the judges have to find your vehicle around this area. That's not true. That'd be Adam. That wouldn't be nice. Um, but have some fun. Park on, if it's a lawnmower, park on the grass. I don't care. I won't be here. So, you know, do whatever you want to do. So ride your manly ride. So here's some ideas. Maybe, maybe it's this. Maybe you have a motorcycle, you kind of just ride bikes and you love riding motorcycles and that's your thing. Maybe it's ride that and park it over there so people can see this is your manly ride. 
Maybe you're one of these kind of people that you, you farm, right? You farm your, your, all your days. That's who you are. You drive these kind of things. You have tractors coming out of your ears, and it's your thing. You, if you're not in a tracker, and a tractor during the day, you're not living. That's kind of how you feel. Just a little side note, when these things go down the road and they take up the whole road, you can't go to the left, you can't go to the right. They drive me nuts. Anybody who drives tractors, I'm sorry. Not sorry. So get off the road. So bring it here. Drive right down the center of 29. I don't care. Park it right up there. Park it right now. I don't Park it wherever so we can see it. So maybe that's your ride. So maybe this next one is your ride. Maybe this is more your flair. Right? You know, a little fuzzy, a little pinky. Maybe just kind of, you know, riding in. Hello. This is my manly ride. Uh, you'll take your man cart away if you drive that. But anyways, so maybe that's your ride. Or maybe it's this. Maybe this is your thing. Monster trucks, man. Just, just run over people. That's a manly thing. Run over people, cars, whatever. Just get it here and park along the side. Or maybe it's this. Maybe you got a Lotus in your back garage, and you're like, I'm going to show it off, baby. Get here in like three minutes from Montrose because it does 220. You know, just fly down 29. Or maybe this. Maybe this is your style. You love your kids, so you ride things like this. This is your manly ride. You know, this is what you want to do. Or, and here's, here's something that I would bring. Okay, so that's me trying to come to church on Father's Day in my manly ride. That guy's half my size. I wouldn't even fit one leg in that thing. But you get the idea, right? Come on Father's Day, bring your manly rides, ride them in, whatever they may be, and just have some fun celebrating what you have in Jesus and celebrating the dads and men and like I said, there's going to be tons of food. And who doesn't love meat? Everything's better with bacon, in my opinion. Um, so we just come and do that. But this morning, we're going to continue on in our series, Crazy Faith. Faith is a foundation of many things that we do in life. You know, as we started this series two weeks ago, we walked this idea that we have faith in, every, in everything that we do, many areas in our lives, but we truly never recognize that there are acts or moments of faith in our life. We just go through life just living it, and there's acts of faith we don't pay attention to. But something with faith changes when it comes to God. Something about faith absolutely changes when we look at faith through the lens of Scripture, and it brings us before the Almighty God himself who created and holds things, everything together. There's something that changes about faith. Faith goes from something we never pay attention to to something being very intentional in our lives. We start thinking, okay, what is God calling me to do? Because I believe God is calling us out, every single one of us. You know, in Jesus, we're called to live by faith. We're not called to live by our own abilities, by our own strength, but we're called to lean in fully and completely into God, depending on him, trusting him, talking about baby faith last week, asking him for some stuff. And that becomes the building blocks of what God's going to do next in our life. Now, if you've missed any of these conversations, you missed week one, week two, I want to encourage you to go back to our podcast. I don't know if you know we have a podcast that you're free to listen to, free to download, and free to share with people in your life that you think the message applies or they can get something out of it. It's God's word, so I hope they can. But I encourage you to go back if you've missed it because there are parts and pieces that are missing in this faith journey with, for you, and I want you to build the whole thing together. You know, if, if you've been here, you've listened to the message, you've walked through the conversations as we walk through this series, and what you, I'm guessing you're trying to figure out what does it mean to walk with crazy faith with God? And you still have some questions. You have some questions that you're like, okay, I want to step out in full belief. I want to do what God's burrowing in my heart, but I have 
some questions. And, and before I even do that, I need some answers. And that's normal. And I, as I think about this, and I started thinking about me stepping out in crazy fear, what does it look like in my life? I know I have some questions. And so I kind of come down to this idea. One of the questions I think you may have, you may be thinking about is, how do I know? How do I know that what God's calling me out to is truly God? How do I know that what I'm stepping out is 100% truly God is calling me for my will? For my, how do I know that it's God calling me out to just take this step of faith in him? Or is it the tacos I ate last night? How do I know? Well, the answer is simple. You can't. On the outside of taking steps of faith with God, you can't be 100% accurate or exactly know what you're supposed to be doing. You can't. It doesn't work that way. And right there, right there, not knowing 100% fully for sure before you take that step forward is a, is a barrier for you, many of you in this room, including myself. Because we like to know. Right, we want to know what's next. We don't like taking a step of faith until we fully know what's going to happen. We want to see clear glass projection. Like, God, what is next? What is the outcome? We want the yellow brick road. Like we know where we're going, right? We're going to Oz. We want to know all those things along the way. We want to know. And that frustrates us. We can't know on the outset of faith exactly what God is fully calling us to. But if you stop, if you're unwilling to take that next step without fully knowing, I want to tell you that you'll never live in crazy faith. You'll never live in crazy faith because you'll always be waiting for the answers. You'll always be waiting for the answers. And sometimes God's calling you out. It's like, no, 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 trust me, the answers are coming. See, if you can figure it out, it's not faith. If you can figure it out, it's not faith. If you have all the facts, it's not faith. If you want that yellow brick road, like I said, guaranteeing what's ahead of you, it's not faith. And this is why faith starts where our understanding ends. Faith starts where our understanding ends. Again, most of us want a full understanding. We want to know full well what's going on in front of us, where we're walking to, and we will not move one ounce or one inch of our life until we figure it out. That's not faith. That's control. That's not faith. That's control. You can have faith, and you can have control, but you can't have both. Living, say, I'm living a life of faith, but I want to control every decision I'm going through, everything through, without stepping out, not fully knowing. That's not faith. That's control. What God is calling us to will never be a sure thing in the beginning. There will always be a gap from our understanding and the promises of what he has in front of us. We won't fully know. So let's stop and think right now as we think about this, understanding there's a gap. What are some things in our lives that we would want to fill the gap with? From our understanding to this promise is what he's calling us to, we have a gap. What are some things that we want to fill the gap with? Maybe it's networking. 
Maybe it's knowing people. Connecting, there's gotta be some connection. There's gotta be all these connections. It makes you feel comfortable. It makes you feel secure when there's these, all these networking connections are happening. My mom was a network closet network person. She would always find a way, and she needed to find a way, how to connect herself to these situations, these people, and she was always going over, over, and over, and over, and over. Oh, they're their cousin, and they're relational, and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, Mom, that's crazy. Well, that's what she felt secure. She even started doing things like, okay, well, I think he looks like your cousin Steve, so that means it may be really good. I'm like, What? But that was her gap filler. It was networking. It was fully understanding. Maybe it's talent. Right? You try to fill the gap in with your talent, your abilities. What you can do with all yourself and nothing to do with God. Or you don't have the abilities that you feel like I need to take. So I'm not going to fill the gap. I'm missing something, Moses. Maybe it's money. Maybe you fill the gap with money. Like, I have this much money, I can do this kind of stuff. I can't do this stuff until I have this much money. You just keep on loading and round your walk with Jesus around money. That's how you fill the gap. I wrote this down this morning. Faith is a bridge. Faith is the bridge between where our understanding ends and where God's promises start beginning and living out in our lives. That's what faith is. It builds the bridge. From our understanding to what God wants to do in our lives. That's faith. Now this morning, you're open to a passage of scripture. Let me just back this up. This morning, I want to introduce you to a very powerful word. A word that could change a lot in our lives as we walk through it. It's a very powerful, yet pitiful word for our lives as we move forward. What it looks like to live in faith. This one word has the ability to offer great freedom to each and every one of us. And this one word can take from you where you and I are sitting right here, right now, and move us to the most radical, God-awesome moments in our life. The moments that we never would experience without it. This one word can change our outlook in many moments that we walk through every single day. It can take our pessimistic view of so many things that we look in life, my life, this situation, my future, what's in front of me, the glass is half empty, this feeling that we walk through. It can take all that, and it's one where it can become a catalyst, allowing the goodness of God infiltrate every area of our lives. This one word is that powerful. And the word is maybe. Maybe. Now, as I'm looking at your faces across this room, you're like, yeah, that doesn't seem like it's just a powerful world word. Maybe. I mean, come on, Rich. I was looking for something mind-blowing. Maybe? Are you sure? Yeah. Maybe. See, the problem is, is we've used maybe all of our lives. Far as long as we could hear or speak, maybe it's been a part of our lives. Growing up as a kid, hey, mom, dad, can we go get ice cream? Maybe. Hey, can I have some friends over? Maybe. Can we can have, can we go get some McDonald's? Maybe. And maybe it's always been going through our life, and a lot of times it maybe was no. Parents are just like, I'm just going to say maybe, because they're not promising anything, right? So what you did is you grew up, and you started using maybe all the time with your kids. 
And they're asking to go to McDonald's, maybe. They're asking for ice cream, maybe. Right? So you walk through this idea, maybe it's been a very, very common word in our lives. And we never stop to understand how powerful that one word can be. Let me explain. Maybe defined means a possibility. It means possibility. There is a possibility that it will happen. This possibility leaves the door open for a chance. There's a possibility God is calling you to this or go do that. There's a possibility God's going to step in and take care of this and intervene. There's a possibility that God has asked you to do blank. Fill in the blank, whatever you want. There is a possibility because the word maybe opens the door. And if the door is open for God to work, means we can continue to move forward what he's calling us to. If maybe is not a word that we're willing to leave open and have a conversation with God, it means the door's shut. And we're not listening. And we're not paying attention to what he could be calling us to. Because a lot of times it's what we've experienced in life, what people have said to us in life. We often slam the door. Past, I guess, that life happens, right? It gets rough, and the door of possibility always shuts. So maybe it's not an option for us. It doesn't mean that the God could do anything. But truly, maybe is an opportunity, an open door for a chance, a possibility that God is calling you to something greater, that God is calling you to something more. And if you're willing to let that word maybe just sit in your life, keep that door open, man, God's gonna step in and start having conversations with you and lead you somewhere we never expected just because you're open. See, maybe faith is believing that God may be God until it's proven to be God. It's may be God until it's proven to be God. That's all. Are you open to the possibility that God is calling you to something? Are you open to the possibility the door is open? Maybe it is God saying, call me to do this. I don't fully know. I don't know 100%. Everything's guaranteed. But maybe is the open door. Maybe allows God to work. Don't shut the door. Don't use 15 locks and lock God out for your security. Open the door and let maybe be a powerful option what God wants to do. See, right now you are open to a passage of scripture that walks us through, that illustrates maybe faith in, in a full effect it's going to walk us through. It's going to show us someone that we now dubbed as a spiritual faith giant. We talked about him in Hebrews chapter 1, week 1. His name was Abraham. Before his name was Abraham, his name was Abram. And he was willing to let God work in his life in a maybe faith way, trusting him at least at the possibility what God wanted to do in his life without fully knowing. So if you've got your Bibles open, look at Genesis chapter 12, starting at verse 1. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, let's just stop right there. The Lord has said to Abram, the Bible doesn't exactly tell us how God spoke to Abram, but it had to be something amazing. It had to be something amazing because Abram and his family worshiped other gods. 
They worship other gods in different cultures. You find that in Joshua chapter 24, verse 2. It says they, his family worshiped other gods. They didn't worship the one true God. So it had to be something amazing where God was calling Abram out to something different. He had to have that maybe door open to listen, to pay attention, and to be willing to follow him. Well, that's important for you and I to understand. This is a world of false gods that are out there. False gods in their time. False gods in our time. False gods of different religions. False gods of ourselves. We look at ourselves as a god. False gods of people who, who worship creation. False gods of people who, who worship posters that are printed. Or a statue. That is huge for us to understand. Because in a, in a culture right now that worships false gods, it's absolutely crazy. There's still an opportunity for God to call someone out. There's still got to do something radical in their life. And maybe that's you here this morning. This is where you've been trying to figure out who this God is, and God's calling you out and saying, I love you. The complexity of false gods worshiping didn't start with us, it started so long ago, and it started with this guy of man of faith. His name was Abram. But then God calls him out in his crazy faith request of Abram. Look what he says to him. He says, go from your country. Go from your country, your people in your father's household, and the land I will show you. Verse 2, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Let's stop right there. Abram, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pack up everything, buddy. Grab your wife, grab your sheep, grab your cattle, grab your maidservants, your female servants, your manservants. Grab it all together. And I want you to go to a place I will tell you a certain time down the road, but not yet. Raise your hand if you do do something like that. Pack up your house, pack up your family, pack up your kids, put them in a vehicle, and head down the road, and I'm going to tell you where later. Not too many of us. Let's look back and just see what God was asking of Abram. He says, leave your country. All right, leave your country. Faith will be uncomfortable for you and I. It will let you, know what you, let you know what you're leaving, what you're comfortable with. And that's what faith does. It calls us out. It calls us out of our comfortable realm. We all like to be living in comfort. We live our whole life in trying to build more comfort in our home. We have AC because it's so stinking hot outside to make us feel comfortable, right? Faith calls us out of being comfortable where we're at. That's what God was doing with Abram. He says, leave your people. Leave your people. Leave what is familiar to you, your clan, all the people around you, right? That's what faith does. It will pull you out to the unfamiliar, that you won't know everything. He, he didn't know where he was going, let alone who's going to be in his life outside of his immediate family and the donkeys he brought with him. And then he says, leave your father. Leave your father, which would, would represent some provision and protection. Leave behind all the ways you have been protected before because there's a new season in life that I'm calling to. Faith will require a new provision. That you don't have to have everything figured out. God's just calling you out 
to trust him. See, Abraham's, Abraham's family worshiped these false gods. And what it seemed to come out of nowhere is, and sometimes it feels that way about God, but it's truly God. He, one true God steps in. He speaks and calls him to leave everything he knows to be on a destination-less journey. Now, I read through that, and I have to believe the door of maybe had to be open in Abram's life. It had to be. It had to be an opportunity that he's willing to listen, willing to hear, willing to understand, willing to follow, regardless of what he absolutely knew. Willing to understand as a heavenly father who loved him, who had more from him. Well, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you've walked through that same journey. You've walked through that same journey where you come to understand you worship false gods. You worship the created thing. You looked in the mirror and thought you were the best and that you were all that you needed. And at some point, God, God stepped into your world and started calling you to himself, right? And he came to you, he put people in your life, he invited you to church, you opened up scripture, whatever it is, you came to the point in your life when you realized you needed Jesus, and you're like, okay, I need to surrender God in my life, and I pray, and I gave Jesus my life, and I crossed over the threshold of faith, and I gave him everything, I am his. Well, in order for that to happen, in order for you to truly walk through that point in your life, you had to have the door of maybe open too. Maybe the fact that you would figure it out there's a heavenly father who loves you, who wants the best life for you. So you stop and surrender it to him. So that's what having that maybe faith door open can do. So what does Abram do? Look at verse four. It says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. God said, go. Abraham went. See, that's what faith does. Faith is moving and allowing God to direct our steps. We're open the door to possibility. We're listening. We're paying attention, living with some intentionality with life. And God is calling us out. And we get our steps moving. Remember, if maybe faith is believing that it may be God until it's proven that it is God. It's being open enough. It's being curious enough for God to work. See, last week we talked about baby faith. I said, baby faith of our, is our first steps. The building blocks of the foundation get us the crazy faith. Well, baby faith just gets us started. Maybe faith keeps us going. And it's so much easier to keep something moving down the road than getting it started. Newton's first law of motion says the object at rest stays at rest. An object of motion stays in motion. So when we step out in maybe faith and we're continuing moving forward, the possibility of trusting and depending on him leads us to places we never thought possible. But the problem you and I face in life is when it comes to our spiritual faith, our walk with God, we're at rest. We're at rest in our faith. Maybe truly isn't an option. We just want God to do the work for us. We want God to take us from here to here. We want God to pick us up and put us over here in the promised land. I mean, Abram could have done that. He said, no, 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 God, I'm not going to follow you. Just pick me up and put me where you want me. You do the work. I don't need to learn anything along the way. I don't need to, I'm just, just going to let you do it. 
That's what we want. We want to step out in this crazy faith and, and follow God, but we just want him to pick us up and put us at the end result. Him doing all the work. Well, that's not faith. That's a butler. You know, the person you tell to do whatever you want and they do it. Go fix me some breakfast. Pull around the car. Take me to the grocery store. That's a butler. That's not God. See, faith is a journey. Getting going. Baby steps. Get started. First steps. And maybe faith is a possibility. It's a possibility. I'm going to keep on moving forward. I'm going to keep on moving forward. And that's what God wants to do in your life. That's what God wants to do in my life. You wonder sometimes when God is calling us to do something. I wonder when I read things like this with Abram, like, have I gotten lost in my mind or is it God? Well, maybe faith gives us the opportunity to figure that out. There is no way for Abram to know with 100% clarity that it was God. He just heard him and took the step of faith anyways. And God called them to his amazing things. But there's, there's some hinge points for us. There's some blockades for you and I. And this leads us to our second point. Our biggest obstacle when it comes to faith is not doubt, it's fear. It's not doubt, it's fear. Look at verse 4 again. So, so Abram went as the Lord told him. Abram went, was 75 years old, and he set out from Haran. He took his wife, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions he had accumulated, and the people they required in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. And if you continue reading, I'm going to encourage you to continue reading later on. I'm going to skip a couple of verses. It says, as they were going on this journey, following God and maybe faith, the scripture says, a great famine hit the land. And so Abram took his family down a little bit further. They left Canaan and went down into Egypt. And when down to Egypt, he was still following God, but something entered his heart, something entered his life that he wasn't expecting, and that was fear. Fear changed. Look at this in verse 11. It says, he was about to enter Egypt. This is Abram. And he says to his wife, Sarai, I know that you're a beautiful woman. What a beautiful woman you are. Brownie points, dude. Right? But when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. And then they will kill me. Also oh, self-serving. He just, he wasn't really that. He will kill me, but I'll but let you live. Verse 13, love, I love this. Say you are my sister, so they will treat you well. Treat, so I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. All right. Abraham, Abram feared for his life, so he lied. And he told his bride to lie, too. He, he feared for his life, even though just a few moments earlier, a few travels earlier, God said, listen, listen, I'm going to make you a great nation. Right? I'm going to make your name great. You're going to be a blessing of many. All people will be blessed by you. Even though God threw out these promises to him and he was calling him out in this faith, he still feared. He was sitting in fear. And I believe you and I walk through the same obstacles. We walk in fear when God's getting ready to call us out to do something for him. 
and we're not sure, fear takes control. Fear's a liar, friends. Fear makes you a liar. It stops you in your tracks from what God wants to do in your life, making you think that by being comfortable, being content, and everything's all good where it needs to be so you don't do anything more than he's calling you to. That's a lie. And right now, many of us in this room have not taken that step out because we're buying into a lie of fear. Fear blinds us from the presence of God. It takes our eyes off the king of kings and puts us on squarely what's in front of us. We're no longer paying attention to him. We're paying attention to what's in front of us. It consumes our attention and it crushes the world of possibility. Well, the scripture says the Egyptians did bring him in and they saw Sarai's wife and she was all absolutely beautiful and they brought her to Pharaoh and he went to make her one of his wife, his possibility of making her one of his wives. He not only spared Abram's life like he said, but he was treated like absolute royalty. Oh, that's your sister. Okay, come on in. Let's give you some more gifts. Let's give you some more people, some more servants. Let's give you some more animals to take along. He was treated like royalty. And everything that seemed good on the outside, right? And it seemed so good. Everything was said. We, we said this lie. We weren't stepping out in faith. We're living in fear. And everything seemed absolutely great because I got more stuff. I'm alive. She's alive. Everything's great. Until God stepped in. And he caused a great disease among Pharaoh and his people and his land. And Pharaoh realized what was going on. He comes out to Abram and said, why would you do such a thing to me? You had the opportunity to do what was right, but you didn't. You brought this on us because you thought it would be better to walk in fear. See, fear brought Abram a false sense of security but it ended up hurting others. And fear does the same thing for us. It brings us a false sense of security that everything is okay. God's not calling me anything more. He's not calling me anything better. And maybe bringing some more pain and hurt in your life that you never expected. Maybe it never even happened if you actually stepped out and did what God wanted you to do. See, the power of one word, Maybe. So if we have to stop right here and right now, and you and I start having a conversation one-on-one, or you're just listening to things that God maybe called you, how are you sitting in life? God's calling you to do something. Are you sitting in faith, like I'm going to do it? Or are you living your life in false security and fear? Right now, what does God burn in your heart? What in the last six months, last year, the guy's like, okay, this is what I want you to do. I'm calling you out, but you're living in fear because everything's comfortable. Maybe, maybe the first step is accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've been so afraid of how he's going to change your life. And you're like, well, he's going to change your life. That's what Jesus does. He changes everything. But you're so afraid of what it looked like from other people around you that you actually don't take that step of faith. You're not living in maybe, you're living with a door shut. Maybe it's a business, maybe it's a ministry, whatever it may be. 
Maybe it's reaching out to your neighbor, investing in their lives. Tell them about Jesus. Are you living in faith? Door open. Maybe God wants to use me. Something amazing can happen. Are you living in fear? A false sense of security that everything is okay. And your door's shut. What is it? Where do you sit? See, here's the thing. As followers of Jesus, Scripture says that we receive the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God resides within us at his, as his children. And Paul, who's a follower of Jesus, who's writing to Timothy, who's a follower of Jesus, he says this in 2 Timothy 1.7. He says, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The Spirit that resides in you as a follower of Jesus does not make you afraid. In fact, the Spirit of God resides in you as a follower of Jesus, calls you out to something more, something greater. It pushes the door open and says, will you listen? Will you follow me? And every single day, you and I have a choice. Are we going to listen? We can understand the Spirit that gives us power and self-discipline, not to be afraid to step out in maybe faith that God may be wanting us to do something for him as something more or something next. Or are we going to sit in fear? To trust and think that maybe it's God and let God prove that it is. And it leads us to this last idea that maybe faith starts at 51%. Faith, maybe faith, starts at 51%. As we read scripture, I think God's word actually truly calls us to a place of 51%. It calls us out, starting as a starting point for God to open his door for amazing promises in our life. It opens our mind, it opens our possibility of what God wants to do. But it starts, it's got to be it's 51%. I get it, there's sometimes we can do something in great faith, it could be 75%. Like, I get it. Yeah, I'm in. I don't need to know everything. I got three quarters that I'll figure it out. And sometimes it's 95%. We're like, yeah, I mean, I have no doubts. I'm all in. But in reality, that's not how it works all the time. It's not how it works all the time. And maybe it's not how it's working in your life right now. There's a chance we're sitting at the, we're sitting at the edge of 50%. We're wondering what we should really do. We're kind of teeter-tottering, like, ah, safe, fear. What am I going to do? I mean, we do that all the time. And that 1% is a catalyst for you, a catalyst for God to work within you. Open a door. Open a door to possibilities. What's he truly wants to do in your life? And that 1%, could change everything because that 1% is maybe maybe Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book called The Tipping Point many many years ago and he wrote this in, in, the, in his book he says the tipping point is that magic moment when an idea trend or social behavior crosses the threshold it tips and spreads like wildfire 
That, that moment, right? That moment where everything is going on. You, they, I think it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's gonna, oh, it's going to happen. It's happening. It's going on. We're moving forward. And that's what God wants to do in our faith. He says, give me 51% because it's going to happen. We're tipping, tipping, and we're going to go. And once you move on to 51%, you open a door like God work in your life. Then faith starts working like a wildfire in your spiritual journey. But it comes down to one word. One powerful word that God wants to do in your life, open up the possibilities, and the word is maybe. One word. Maybe. Maybe God's calling you to himself. Saying, I love you. I want to be with you forever. Maybe God's calling you out to something greater, something next, something you've never trusted him for, but he's been burrowing in your heart. One word, maybe, that you never thought could radically change your life. But again, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to come and worship you. Lift your name on high, God. You are the only one who deserves it. Father, I think about this series, Crazy Faith, and the impact it could have on the lives of so many if, just took, if they just took the journey with you, not fully knowing everything, not fully understanding everything, but understanding that you're real, that you're a possibility, that you want to work in their life. There's a possibility that you're a heavenly father that wants to love them. Or the possibility that you're calling is something more. God, thank you. Thank you for your spirit that resides within us as your children. That we don't have to be afraid, not to be timid. But we can truly just follow you. God, I pray for all the doors. All the doors in our lives have been shut for so long. May your spirit kick them open this morning the opportunity for the maybe faith opportunity that you have for us. Let us live with great intentionality. Let us not walk with blind eyes. Let's just live for you. I know in my own life there's times I count on my own strengths, my own abilities. But that's not faith, that's control. God, I pray for us in this room, whoever listens online, that we can let go of control and just trusting you with everything. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.